All right. Well, hey, Brando. Boy, we really uh, rattled the hornet's nest there last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, was not expecting the all the feedback we got, but I mean, on, on both sides, but uh, boy, I, I thought we were just going to have a chat with some students, and I think it hit at some heartstrings in good ways and bad for a lot of people out there. Yes. Uh, well, you know, like I, I say, if you're not rattling cages, you know, you're not doing it right. Even Jesus, you know, he pissed a lot of people off. So am I comparing us Jesus to Jesus? Jesus Christus. Am I comparing the Great Night Podcast uh, personalities to uh, Jesus? Well, of course I am. Because aren't, aren't we kind of the same in many ways? <laughs> I mean, I got, a, I got a beard a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been wearing flip-flops all summer. I've seen you walk on water, man. And I definitely drink a lot of wine. <laughs> all right well hey uh we'll see how many uh, uh feathers I'm, that a, ruffled. I'm a little i'm a little i'm a little hungry i'm gonna go get some body of brando and uh we'll get into this podcast then hold on i got some fish for you The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Okay, that's uh, so. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with Advanced Diver Jamesy. You're here with Father Brando. Bless you, my son. Thank you, thank you. Advanced Diver, better check yourself. <laughs> You're going to get some hate mail. Well, listen, we got a lot of good mail as well. Not really describing like uh, how we felt that there was a there's a a real need to delineate between an advanced diver and somebody with an advanced card. You mean a diver with nine dives? A diver with nine dives or even a, a, a diver with uh, 30 dives that earned his advanced a different way. I mean, there, there's still a difference. You know, and when every single class that you take is for certification and without any question whatsoever you're going to receive that certification is different than doing a class that is strictly for completion that you just have stuff to work that gives you no new level of ability to dive that just hones in and focuses on your ability to be a better diver in the water so that you can go take anybody's advanced class and that you can go take any level class 
and really learn what's in that class because you've taken the time to focus in so much on your own personal core skills that are so important in all levels of diving, but especially as you move into more advanced levels of, of having precision control of things like buoyancy, balance, trim, propulsion, awareness, communication, all that stuff becomes so important in those other level classes. And I think the big takeaway of what I had of our conversation last week was at the end of the day, that's really it, is it's hard to improve yourself as a diver if you're still struggling with these other things. And so much of the other instruction that's out there that I'm not blaming the instructors in the field because they're only doing what they've been told to do. But the big model is to just keep doing that next level class, the next level class, the next level class, and hopefully the core personal skills, you know, that we at UTD call the essentials, that mm-hmm. GUE called the fundamentals that a lot of people are starting to pick up on nowadays are just blown away to the wayside that, that hopefully you, you'll you'll finally get that somewhere down the road that we hold so paramount to the beginning of being able to get anything really done. Well, I think it comes down to how you view your, um, I guess, learning process. You know, it goes to a foundation for learning. You know, it's like a pyramid. If your base level is missing stones or is crumbling, everything you put on top of that is going to be junk. It's going to fall. It's going to collapse. If your foundation, if your essential skills are not solid, it's hard to build. It's hard to build that pyramid. You, you know, it's a house of cards or whatever you want to call it, whatever analogy uh, you want to give to it. You have to start with the basics and you have to master the basics and the, the core basics, buoyancy control, propulsion techniques, proper equipment, proper uh, awareness levels, a team, those foundational skills when they're not in place or they're poorly learned or they're poorly taught or they're just – they have a poor – Missing. Well, that's what I mean by poor. They're just not there. There's no bar. It's just um, – introduce them to the idea of buoyancy control but not really show them a bar for buoyancy control and don't you know don't pull out the old i hover in a buddha position as the bar because it's not practical you nobody swims like that nobody is in the water like that if you don't have the foundation a solid foundation it's very difficult to move into another class and absorb the material that's being presented even if it's good solid material when all you're doing or all you're concentrating on is just living through the dive or trying to not to destroy the visibility or lose your teammates or go to the quarry go watch an open water class almost anywhere in the world and it's just people and it's chaos it's chaos is what it you know i mean i was down last weekend you know playing around with that camera uh i was going to take some pictures of you know my local shop doing a rescue class and <laughs> that's exactly w- what it is too you know like well you know people laying on the bottom like somersaulting rolling around the bottom struggling with themselves so much and here they are they're in a, a class where they're trying to rescue somebody else like how can you help somebody else out <laughs> <laughs> when you yourself are having so much difficulty and are working so hard and going through so much gas uh, just to move two feet over 
to lend assistance to someone else. Right. You can't do it. And then in the middle of that, I've got like two other classes of of divers like crashing down on top of me, mm-hmm. you know, from behind me. Yeah. Uh, a, a group coming up and crashing under, like right into me, like a camera in hand, like just pure chaos. Oh, yeah. And, and, so, I, and, and that's what we're talking about of, of, of what the, those core fundamental skills are and how the essentials become just that. It's something initial, uh, something essential that you need if you really want to improve yourself, not just collect a card that says something, but you don't have the ability to back it up. Right. And I know the argument that comes out is they're, you know, they're new students. That's what they're there to, to learn to do. That's they're supposed to be doing it. And my argument back is no, before they exit the pool sessions, they should have a, a degree of buoyancy control that prevents them from falling on the on the ground, you know, underwater, flopping around in the mud. Uh, they should know how to control themselves to, I mean, a halfway decent degree, and they don't. That's all there is to it because they've done everything on the bottom. End of story. It's just, it, and that's just one yeah, part and, of it, uh, isn't it? That's just one part. I know we we harp on the buoyancy control, but that's it's a major foundational block. Well, you know, you you're damn right it is, and uh, we'll we'll take that one one block because it. You know, you just said something a minute ago that's so important of what I was just thinking about for today, which is we got into a good discussion last week about communication. And you just said that, you know, you need to be able to absorb the new material. And if you're still struggling with controlling yourself in the water and not being able to have perfect control and balance and awareness in the water, there's no way you're going to be able to absorb the new information that's being presented, definitely not all of it. And more importantly for you as a diver, you're going to have a really hard time absorbing communication on the dive amongst the people that you're in the water with, those teammates that you you have. You can't receive a message if you're still flumbling and flailing and moving your head all over and, and looking at what's going on because you don't have full awareness of your environment. Exactly. So on that note, we got into a discussion last week with Tyler who who brought up the point of how important it was he learned the need to be able to transmit as well as receive a message. Yeah. And we also had, you know, recently that Human Factors and Diving Conference where we were, we were there. We had our little spot in the lobby that uh, we didn't really have anything nicely prepared in the lobby. We, you and I just were two idiots that thought we were supposed to sit around <laughs> and <laughs> sit there and hang out and talk to people. Whereas other people, like Ben from UTD, had three really, really well produced, very nice videos that he had set up sitting in the lobby. So anybody could just click on, you know, their booth and it was a nice presentation in there. And one of the videos that he has in there is a short little like 15 minute little video specifically about communication during scuba diving. I I thought he he did a great little job putting this together and he had a, there's a couple other ones in there, but in particular, and, and you can find these videos of his on YouTube on the UTD scuba diving channel. But it's about uh, communication during scuba. And he lays out, in fact, more importantly, at the very beginning of it, 
he has a quote in there that I, I think you're going to like this quote, Brando. Okay. The quote's by George Bernard Shaw. He does mention that this quote is in uh, Garrus' book, too, the Under Pressure book. But the, the quote's perfect for this topic. You, re- you ready to hear this quote? I, uh, I'm getting ready. Hold on. All right. Get in your uh, get in your neutrally buoyant Buddha position. <laughs> I am currently. Uh, I'm getting there. Okay, I've got it. I'm floating. Okay, and hit me. The fatal flaw in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. That's uh, that's definitely a, a, a fantastic observation uh, by G. B. Shaw. There, yeah the the idea that it's taken place. In other words, you see this underwater all the time. Where <laughs> we watch it in classes a lot, and I mean, hey, I was guilty of it. it there was a time, just they communicate something to you, and the the okay sign goes back up. We talk about it quite often, but there's the illusion. Was the message registered in the head of the receiver? And the idea, like, you give the okay back to the sender. Now, the sender thinks you got it. But did you? There's the illusion, you know. And we don't know if the receiver got it. And and generally, the receiver doesn't get it. Right. That's why they're flashing the okay. Yeah, the quick knee-jerk response. The okay is rarely an acknowledgement of confirmation in that feedback loop it, the, right. the okay is a leave me alone for a minute i'm fine right is what the okay really ends up being right and i like i say i used to bring this uh, this up to my children all the time because the acknowledgement of the receipt of my message you know i want to be clear when i'm giving instruction or anything like that and, and i know it sounds like i raise my kids like i'm some kind of dick and maybe i am but when you're talking to them i want to know that they got what i'm telling them I, or, or saying to them, or my message, I, I need to know. So there's four, I, you know, I used to explain, there's four parts of communications, gang. The message, obviously, what you're sending, what you want the receiver to get. So you have a message, a sender, and a receiver. But then the critical part that's almost always missing to close that loop is the feedback. In other words, the acknowledgement that you receive the message. And that's where you can clarify things. That's where you find out if the message was actually received. And how you give that feedback is critical in getting rid of that illusion of a message being received, of communication actually happening. And again, I go, go back to even uh, commercial school. You had to use comms, underwater comms. But there was a, 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 f- like a, formal, a formality to it of how you communicated Surface to diver, you'd have to say, go ahead, surface, and then you give the message, and then the diver had to repeat the message. So Communication. They, right. That's called communication. communication. And so what right. that does is it seals the deal. In other words, you just repeated what I said, so I know you heard verbatim my message. So if it breaks down after that, you know, that's in the mind of somebody, but at least the sender, the top side understands like hey he got the message it wasn't garbled it wasn't something else he heard exactly what i said because he said it back now if he fucks it up there that's internal that's that's something else you have to take care of in understanding right it's, it's like when my wife tells me i, I need to go up to the grocery store and get <laughs> some eggs <laughs> <laughs> you need to get 
get a uh, bottle of gin and uh, you know some pork chops. Like, got it, honey. Before I leave, she's she goes. Now what are you getting? Oh, here we go. I get that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now what are you what are you getting? Like, because otherwise I I come <laughs> back with uh, some bread, some salami, and a six pack of beer. And oh yeah, I forgot something. I was gonna make a sandwich. <laughs> But that's it. It's something as simple as that. It's it's the feedback loop of confirming so that everybody knows on both sides confirmation that this message did, in fact, just get across. That's huge. That's big. <laughs> it's gigantic uh, in underwater diving as a team. That was probably the main reason the team breaks down underwater is lack of understanding of the mission, if you want to call it that. And that lack of understanding is because there, was, there wasn't a communication loop being closed. It was because of the illusion that communication took place. Absolutely, because you have three different people in the water in that case. Yeah. All with three different interpretations, like a Quentin Tarantino movie, of the exact thing that's going on. There's three totally different perspectives from how each one of those entered the water that day, um, one already angry, you know, because uh, whatever could have happened, you know, got a speeding ticket on the way. Somebody else, you know, woke up a little bit late. You know, for, uh, Their husband yeah, forgot to the get the pork chops are. for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pe- three people who show up with three different perspectives, even entering the water, let alone what they're seeing going on. Right. And when one of them, you know, got kicked in the face while the other one was turning around to help the other one. Now you get a little bit of, you know, anxiety, maybe a little bit of anger, like thrown into the mix of like, God damn it. Right. Now something that they didn't get to fully see what happened, but was super clear to the other two with just a quick little signal and a, a, a little attempt at communication without confirming that everything happens properly well, it just becomes a mess. It gets worse and worse and worse and harder and harder and harder. And even though we started the dive with a general plan, things change up on dives and everything's fluid and on the fly anyways. And, you know, from a from something of somebody gets cold and we're going to turn the dive, but, hey, we we're trying to take pictures. We still want to get these couple of pictures. All these little things start getting in the way and it really makes things confusing. And that takes away at the end of the day, like really all we're trying to say is that takes away from the amount of fun that you're going to be able to have in the big picture of it all. Well, yeah, it's it's hard to enjoy yourself when you're you're constantly battling each other for <laughs> what you think is supposed to be going on. The fatal flaw in communication is the illusion that has taken place, the fatal flaw. Right, the the killer, and is is that not what what broke down every problem that the students that we were talking with last week had was the breakdown in that communication loop that that killed the dive, and not not so much killed them, and as in we fake killed them, but it broke down the dive to the point where it was all right. Well. It, it's over. We were going to go up and regroup. <laughs> yeah, well, they had to because it's it's uh, exponential. Like w- <laughs> the first misunderstanding multiplies the issues. 
because one person misunderstood the actual message or mission or how the plan for the dive. And so the first person's going along and the second person is doing something not in the plan, according to the first right. person. And so now he's like, what the fuck? And then. You, yeah, you can you can see like as the instructor, you can see the frustration growing and building. Yeah, everybody, everybody's looking at each other like that. What the fuck? Yeah, and I, and I think so many people are conditioned because so many of the instructors out there only know the information that their agency gives them and tells them that they have to teach for a certification level, right? I, I, I would say that the overwhelming majority of instructors out there are homegrown within an agency from beginning to end. Agreed. Yeah. You know, so, so that's really all the perspective that they have. Right. And if you're only taught to go to Grand Cayman, get on a dive boat to an advanced level dive and follow the dive master around in 100 feet of water instead of 40 feet of water, it's hard to really understand and appreciate what it is that we're trying to talk about with building a team like somebody like us as a smaller agency, UTD, is doing Right, so that you don't have these issues, and and when you're just following a big old group around, it really doesn't matter, anyways. You know, you're just cruising mm-hmm. along, and you know, you you come up when you're getting low on air, and so many people don't even know that they should even be considering some of the topics that we brought up in last week's episode, which is why I want to kind of go back a little bit and hit a couple of these points over maybe the next couple of shows of really diving into something like this today of of this communication loop so that we can dive in the future and not have this illusion like old Shawzi said that the communication that I gave did in fact take place when it hadn't and everybody's got a question mark. Agreed. I mean, uh, this is at the foundation of why people feel uncomfortable diving when they they're nervous about going on the dive. They... They just want to live on the dive, you know? Those kind of things, those kind of feelings is what we're trying to get rid of. They feel as if there's something huge missing in in the undertaking of scuba diving, and they hold an advanced card. Well, there is something missing. There's a lot missing because the majority of advanced cards are not advanced. The class is not advanced. It's a, uh, what's the word? It's an introduction to some uh, things you do underwater, like navigate or night dive. It's an introduction to recreational diving beyond the 30, 40 foot, 50 foot dive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Showing, Showing you a night dive and showing you water deeper than 60 feet, but still being under the instructor's direction is what is the, really the only thing that most instructors even know to do because it's all that they've been shown. It's all that they've been told they're allowed to do. So a lot of instructors out there are saying and did say and message me about like, Hey, I, I teach a really good advanced class and I, you know, I, I put my heart and soul into these divers and I, and I go, I get it. I, I don't doubt that. I fully believe you. I, I fully respect you. But I, at the same time, there's a lot of instructors out there that they only see the, the student for two, three days on their vacation. They're never going to experience them again, which is totally different than 
divers coming to your local shop and your local location and you spend weeks and months and multiple classes with them pouring your heart and soul into it that's different than having the freedom that i have by teaching with a smaller boutique style agency that lets me custom build a program that's focused on team orientation that you can take to higher levels of diving completely beyond the recreational world where thinking and teamwork is absolutely foundational and mandatory. But you don't have to. <laughs> if, if you don't right. want to, you don't yeah. have to, and your own diving is a thousand times more enjoyable. You don't enter the water with, you know, that idea in the back of your mind is, I, I just want to live. And the idea of, well, we might come back together. Hate, hate me if you want, people, but that is the normal out there. We might come back together. I just want to come back from the dive. And they flop around in the, in the night or down at 80, 90, 100 feet. That's because the class they took consisted of a, a nav dive was following your compass, complete loss of buoyancy control because your mind is focused on a compass, complete loss of, of your buddy, your teammate, because your mind is focused on a compass, and you guys lose each other on the nav dive if you can do the compass. and. But, but we both ended up on the same side of the quarry 300 <laughs> feet away from each other. Right, and the dive counts even if you are successful or not for most of these classes. And then, of course, the deep dive was going past 60 feet and, and doing a little puzzle maybe. If you got the, a really thorough deep dive, you did a little puzzle. But what about gas management? I mean, I still see advanced divers who you say, what's our gas plan? And they, you know, be back with 500. I go, that's not really a gas plan. How, how are we going to do that, number one? I'm with you. I'd like to be back with 500. You know, but I'd I'd actually like to have enough gas available when I am at my d deepest furthest point yeah, to yeah. get both of us That's, home safely and easily. Being back on the five, being back with five hundred is great, but it doesn't answer the more important question, which is right. when do I How? have to leave the bottom? <laughs> yeah, yes. when do we got to leave How? the bottom? That's that's the thing we need to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's no joke that there is a joke about navigation, and I mean I remember. The instructor doesn't even have to have to be in the water. <laughs> well, I remember in my first instructor course, the course director making the joke of in the open water, the navigation is as long as they end the dive in the same quarry, they're going to pass. <laughs> but in the advanced class, they need to at least show up on the same side of the quarry. Right? I mean, that's coming from, from the, was coming, that joke was made from the top coming down. So the, there is no joke that the navigation isn't really about navigation. And then what we take it to the next level of is, well, navigation is a little part of navigation. Right? The big picture of navigation is making sure the whole team stays together, that the whole thing's communicated, that we can still pay attention to all this other stuff that's going on environmentally that we need to be aware of on top of maintaining a direction out and back or wh wherever we happen to be going. Oh, yeah. And the way we confirm all of that is through feedback and that whole communication right. loop. 
closing it properly, closing it properly, yes. not with an okay. Not just, not just with an okay. <laughs> yes. And, you know, so interestingly enough, so, so Ben has a great little comment in that little video I was telling you about where uh, he says, you know, you see divers all the time who just like for no reason look over at their buddy and go, are you okay? And yeah, okay. Yeah. And he's like, he says, would you ever do that? Like walking down the street, just be like you know, you're walking, walking through the park with your buddy and you go, Hey, are you still okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah still okay. No, no, you wouldn't do that. You would just walk about on the park doing your, you know, doing your thing. Now, if your buddy tripped over a log and fell down and you got up and was rubbing his knee and brushed himself off, you might say, hey, are you, you might say, are you okay? And then move on into something else. And he, he does a great la- way of uh, relating that into the dive of, so why do divers do that all the time? It's because they've been shown the skill from day one that's so meaningless, mm-hmm. but it's so common. And it, it's, it's more of a, a, a almost like a personal anxiety issue of I need to let myself know that I'm still okay. So I'm going to let you know. And these signals get flashed around, let alone on the other end of it, like we're talking about, where that is the answer to a question that does not confirm where we're going and what we're doing, right? Right. I mean, it's it's like you and I getting ready to go on a dive and me sending you a message via email or text message or whatever about, hey, we're going to uh, dive, you know, tomorrow morning. You know, we got to be at the boat by 8. Let's leave at, you know, 6.30. You're, you're uh, because I know you, you're going to confirm Got it. My house, six thirty. Boom. It's 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 confirmed. It's fed back. The, the the communication loop is complete at that point. Rather than you just going, of course it's going to be uh, six thirty. I know that, and then just leave leave it unanswered. Just assuming that I know that you know to be at, at your house at six thirty, or just or just throwing an okay even in a text message. Right. It doesn't really let the sender know that you got the message, that you actually processed it and know it. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I see is just nothing comes back. You know, you send a text or you send an email, hey, this is what's happening, and you get nothing. And uh, so I have to send another one. And uh, it's a pet peeve, I guess. I don't know. But to me, it's just clear communication. I need to know you got it. So I found this paper that was written by Nick Sanchez on the communication process. Dirty Nick Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Old Scotty Lang um, joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. He starts this paper off by saying that communication can best be summarized as the transmission of a message from a sender to a receiver in an understandable manner. The importance of effective communication is immeasurable in the world of business and in personal life. From a business perspective, effective communication is an absolute must because it commonly accounts for the difference between success and failure or profit and loss. It has become clear that effective business communication is critical to the successful operation of modern enterprise. Every business person needs to understand the fundamentals of effective communication. And is that not the same case for a diver? 
I mean, for us, success and failure is a huge thing, right? It could literally mean life or death, but but more importantly, it it's the long term viability of continuing to dive for most divers. And and the reason a lot of them get out is they just they don't feel comfortable underwater. And part of that reason they don't feel comfortable is because they can't get their point across or they feel like they don't fully understand what's going on and they've got question marks and they've got concerns and they don't never feel truly safe in the water which for them their failure ends up being eh i'm gonna move on and i'm gonna do something else i'm i'm gonna just quit diving oh yeah well we harp on this stuff a lot but it's true it's so true that being good at what you do builds confidence. Competence builds confidence, I should say. So that's competence builds confidence, which builds comfort. Comfort is the fun part. Comfort means you're enjoying yourself. And that confidence comes when you're good at something. You're able to do it competently and you know it. It's in your mind. You feel secure in it. Now, again, we go back to this, you don't know what you don't know. So you got a lot of people getting certified and going through advanced classes. and they, uh, they took it at a reputable dive center. So they believe they have great instruction. They believe this is what it's supposed to be like. And, you know, I go back to my search for competence. It took me to some good divers and instructors, but they didn't know what they didn't know. And they taught me only what they knew, which still left me wondering, what am I missing here? I'm missing something because I'm not having a great time. I'm not having the time that I want. You know, it's cool to be underwater, Yeah, very cool to be underwater, but I'm not fully having as much fun as I should have because I'm not fully comfortable. Why why weren't you comfortable? Because you were lacking competence in some things that it took you a while. And it's you realize later on that, well, I wasn't confident in my own ability to do certain things and convey certain messages underwater. And that's all related to this very thing. And in order to do that, you have to be able to look in the mirror and say, I need to work on things. I'm not doing this right. You have to be able to tell yourself that. If, if your ego is so big and you're, you're like, oh, I got this fucking down, you, that's a blocking. That's a blockage to learning. Actually, there, there is that old saying. It's like it's impossible to teach someone who thinks he knows everything. You, you'll never learn anything, man. So Dirty Nick Sanchez <laughs> says in this. Dirty Nick Sanchez. <laughs> He says in this paper, he says, the first step the sender is faced with involves the encoding process. In order to convey meaning, the sender must begin encoding, which means translating information into a message in the form of symbols that represent ideas or concepts. This process translates the ideas or concepts into the coded message that will be communicated. The symbols can take on numerous forms, such as languages, words, or gestures. These symbols are used to encode ideas into messages that others can understand. So as the sender, you have to have an idea of basically of the full sentence process. You have to understand yourself how you want to be able to translate that message. You have to make sure that who you're going to send it to is in a position to see what's going on and and what you're about to send them if you're going to get any of that message across, which goes back to the random flashing of an okay, right, without having other people in the water that are positioned to read the data that you're about to give them in the form of hand signal, wet note, 
writing, whatever the case is. Yeah, can I? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sum that that up. Is you have to know what the, what the fuck you're talking about, okay? <laughs> and the person you're talking to, they have to have an understanding of the material you're talking about. In other words, yeah, everybody needs to know what the fuck they're talking about. I'm not I'm not gonna go into a, an OR and a brain surgeon's gonna give me directions to do something and and know what the fuck I'm doing. And and God forbid the brain surgeon is a a bulldozer operator. Nobody's going to know. Do you see how it breaks down? Everybody has to know what the fuck we're talking about. Nick says, if a sender relays a message through an inappropriate channel, its message may not reach the right receivers. That is why senders need to keep in mind that selecting the appropriate channel will greatly assist in the effectiveness of the receiver's understanding. The sender's decision to utilize either an oral or written channel for communicating a message is influenced by several factors. The sender should ask himself or herself different questions so that they can select the appropriate channel. Is the message urgent? Is immediate feedback needed? Is documentation or a permit record required? Is the content complicated? controversial or private is the message going to someone inside or outside the organization what oral or written communication skills does the receiver possess once the sender has answered all of these questions they will be able to choose an effective channel no it sounds like there's a lot there but really a a lot of these things are are answered subconsciously or unconsciously or or they're just ah if you're in control of yourself. Right. Exactly. If you are able to, if your foundational ability to be underwater is good, right? If you're worried exactly. about uh, stirring up the bottom and trying to stay off the bottom or stay at the same depth as everyone else. Uh, yeah. If you're, you're worried about, if you're worried about your depth, you're worried about your gear, you're, you're worried about, Hey, what way the dive master go? If you're looking behind you, over you, under you, find out where your buddy's at. Holy shit, was that a shark that just swam by? Where are these bubbles coming from? Oh, I almost crashed into the sea fan. Uh, hand swimming to, you know, dog paddle your way back up so you don't belly flop on top of the brain coral. Like, it, it's, you're never going to be able to communicate in the middle of that melee of chaos. Absolutely. That's why when we talked about the issues that the students had, in the recreational too. And we find fixing that communication loop as a critical skill in that recreational two level. Well, you have to have those essentials down pat first. Otherwise you're, you're never going to have the ability to control yourself enough to make that communication loop effective. Oh, agreed. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we were getting at. You know, talking talking to the students and and asking them about, you know, could you have done a class like this without those foundational skills under your belt? And to the degree that that we believe you should have those foundational skills. Everybody says they teach buoyancy control, but do they really? (laughs) Well, well, so there's a thing. And then I, I think this is what came across poorly to a lot of our listeners out there who are instructors, right? right? right. It's not a dig on you, right? Mm-hmm. It's a dig on 
what you've been told is buoyancy control. And buoyancy control is not something that you throw in at the end of a class. It's not a specialty card that you add on as an option. It's not something that we do on one dive of the advanced program. Um, It's an integral part of every single dive that you do from the first day that you learn scuba till forever that you're constantly going to tweak and perfect and make better with every single time you're underwater from that moment forward. And buoyancy control isn't just buoyancy control. It's it's a combination of proper weighting, proper distribution of the weight, mm-hmm. proper breathing pattern, balance in the water, control mm-hmm. of your fins, control of your body, control of your propulsion, the ability to maintain a position with your head up so that you can see and you're aware. I mean, all that stuff is part of buoyancy control, not just floating above the reef and not kicking into it. Right. Because, yeah, the once you're in that Buddha position... Yeah, so you're sitting there neutrally buoyant in a Buddha position, but if you have to do anything, there goes your buoyancy control. Yeah, because as soon as you kick out of the Buddha position, you go up. Yeah. And when you go up, the gas in your BC expands. So you have to dump the gas out of the BC, and then you got to fix it. And that's a downward spiral from there that you're constantly back at trying to fix, which means you were never really neutrally buoyant to begin with. So Nick says that the receiver is the individual or individuals to whom the message is directed. The extent to which this person comprehends the message will depend on a number of factors, which include the following. How much the individual or individuals know about the topic, their receptivity to the message, and the relationship and trust that exists between the sender and the message. All interpretations by the receiver are influenced by their experiences, attitudes, knowledge, skills, perceptions, and culture. It is similar to the sender's relationship with encoding, right? Like you've got to be ready to receive the message. Just like I was saying before, like before you communicate, you have to have in your head what it is that you're trying to convey and you have to make sure that the person you're going to send that message to is in a place that they can get the message, see the message, understand the whole message. On the flip side of that, if you've got a partner in the water, number one, you need to always be ready on the off chance that they might want to send a message to you. You have to be open and receptive to receiving that, which means you have to have your own shit together, right? You have to be in a, a position that you're not, your back isn't always to them, that you're looking down, not right at them, that you know that you have to be able to make and control and maintain eye contact at any moment. You have to know and, and be on the same page with a plan at the beginning of the dive so that you have a general idea of what these, what may be vague signals are actually trying to convey underwater. That takes work on both divers. And if either one of them has a breakdown in their ability of those base skills of buoyancy, balance, trim, all that stuff, well, there's going to be a breakdown in that communication. Exactly. You have to have a foundation before you continue on with uh, more complex endeavors in diving. Get the basics, and then you move on. You know, that's the whole thing. Basic open water, advanced. I, I just think our idea of what basic should be, what advanced should be, is different than what's being sold. 
Well, yeah. Well, listen, what you and I are doing really only started to come to light 20 years ago. Right. You know, and in the last five years with with the explosion of communication on social media and and how interconnected everybody can be with with the Internet, it's really taken off and is starting to uh, get into really all levels of of knowledge whether people have taken the training or not they're they're starting to see it experience and you know nowadays you have a a large population that of of even just the the major agencies that are the the independent grassroots instructors are seeing the value of neutral buoyant teaching and are integrating that into their classes what do you think this is going to be like in another 20 years from now like I don't think we're going to be even be having half the, the the arguments people are having right now about this. It's going to have completely changed the game again in another 20 years from now. We're not going to sit there and talk about whether or not somebody should learn neutral buoyancy first 20 years from now. It's called evolution, James. Yeah. It's called evolving, and, and it's great that a lot of uh, – barricades or blockades are being removed in that evolution and that you know communication is is at the forefront of that communication is the reason the blockades the barriers are being removed in other words people are are waking up to the fact hey there's a better way to do this stuff and this is not brain science or rocket surgery or it, it just isn't it's it's not super difficult but you do have to know your instructor has to know how to do it they have to be exposed to it. They have to be taught it because it's not coming from the big agencies. It's just not. We've done it. That's my thing always. We've done both things. I don't even want to say both. We've done many different approaches to scuba instruction. We did the mainstream yeah, not, agencies. Not just yeah, agencies, yeah. not just one big box agency. You know, you know we both sought out smaller, independent, more boutique-style rather than the big department style be because we both wanted what was missing there was something missing and we knew it you could feel it you you knew there's something missing but you have to be able to look in the mirror and say i don't have it i'm not there i don't get it there's something missing and i know a lot of folks are like well i got a back plate and wing i've got it i've got it man no oh, i look i'm i'm flat in the water you're flat in the water for a picture maybe but are you flat in the water? Really? Are you? Just And all those are components. There's still a bunch missing. And I'm not saying you have to go our route to get, but it's difficult to find out there. It's very rare outside of these routes. Right. Today. Yes. And again, today. 20, 20, 30 years from now, I, I fully believe that this is going to move more and more into the mainstream, hopefully, because pe- more people will have learned the importance and the value of all of this right it's easier and, today go ahead and they'll start giving feedback as to <laughs> the receptivity of how much better they feel in the water having learned this stuff and having been exposed to it mm-hmm. firsthand in the water of like oh yeah i always thought i had great trim until wow you introduced <laughs> this to me and everything went to hell while i was uh, you know trying to communicate because there was no communication loop and everything started to fall apart and my breathing fell apart, my buoyancy fell apart, my trip fell apart. Wow. Wow, I actually learned something, which is where Nick gives us in his paper 
that feedback is the final link in the chain of the communication process. After receiving a message, the receiver responds in some way and signals that response to the sender. The signal may take the form of a spoken comment, a long sigh, a written message, a smile, or some other action. Even a lack of a response, in a sense, is a form of a response. Without feedback, the sender cannot confirm that the receiver has interpreted the message correctly. Agreed. And underwater, you know, where you, you're depleted of the sense of hearing, basically. So yeah, yeah. So you don't have the, yeah, you don't have the you don't have the value of just giving a long sigh or or the lack of response being a response, right? You you have to engage in another way. And it's mission oriented. Right. Yeah, and especially considering that it, it's so easy for a diver to drift out of eyesight, you know, even 10, 20 degrees, right. or drop their eyes to their hands, or focus their attention on their gauges and break down that link, that channel between sender and receiver. Right, I and I hearken back to my military days, and communication was paramount in missions, and that's what I, when I say... We're kind of mission-oriented when we go on a dive. We have a mission. We have a plan. Mission doesn't necessarily mean you're going out, you're going to slit the guard's throats and go in and kidnap someone and get the, get the microfish or whatever. That That's not what it means, microfish. Is that even being used anymore? Microchips. Wow, wow. We, uh, we're going way back. What it means is you have a goal. What was uh, when, when, when was your military <laughs> days? Is that WW1 or 2? I, I, I always confuse those two. My Agent Orange is acting up. <laughs> but... Charlie, but, don't scuba dive. Let's get back Charlie to this. Charlie, don't scuba dive. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what, what I'm getting at is when you're mission-oriented like that, our communication was very, it was very formalized. A lot of times you're talking on radios, and, and that kind of symbolizes there's a gap. You know, you don't have all of your senses there to communicate. You have just your hearing, for example. Right, um, right. You can't see each other. Anyway, it was very formalized. So you, you had to repeat the message back to the sender to confirm proper receipt of the message. So that confirms to the sender, that's what I said. I know he got what I said because he said it back to me. And that's just one thing. And that's how I think underwater kind of has to be because we share that same goal-oriented slash mission-oriented approach to what we're undertaking. And you don't have access to all your senses. Exactly. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a restricted channel for that message to be transmitted through. Very good way to put it. You, know, you don't have a bunch of channels. You have a few channels of communication being uh, transmitted back and forth, right? You know, when I break down how I look at communication, how I think you look at communication, and why it's so critical, that's kind of how we view it. And... I think, you know, we're going back to our, the class and we watched the communication breakdown and it was, it was very evident right in the beginning. I could see the plan of the dive was not understood by all three teammates. Right. Not fully. Right? Not fully. Right. Because, uh, you know, somebody's struggling with, you know, getting all their hair inside their hood. That was me. Hey, give me a break, man. <laughs> <laughs> while you know the the plan is being discussed or somebody's still fidgeting with a pocket and, and getting everything squared away and didn't fully understand one little key little part which 15 minutes later is going to become very evident right that there's there's a breakdown 
So you, sometimes you, you, as an instructor, you watch and you know that's going to be a learning experience for them. The struggle will illustrate the need for our, our communication loop to be closed properly. Well, yeah, absolutely. There's And there's the thing, right? And this is the issue that divers have that, that we keep coming back to with the value of those core skills is all of the students were prepared with buoyancy control and, and good kicks showing up. And they all looked very good in the water until there was a breakdown in this communication process. And then everything goes away because all the awareness goes to trying to convey the, the most basic of a message. Right. And if all your attention's there, now I've lost. So that's what we say. We keep coming to buoyancy control. What you think buoyancy control is, isn't really buoyancy control. Buoyancy control is having a huge breakdown and still being able to maintain all of that. Yes. Nick says feedback is a key component in the communication process because it allows the sender to evaluate the effectiveness of the message. Feedback ultimately provides an opportunity for the sender to take corrective action to clarify a misunderstood message. Feedback plays an important role by indicating significant communication barriers, differences in background, different interpretations of words, and differing emotional reactions. He closes this thing down by saying that successful and effective communication within an organization stems from the implementation of the communication process. All members within an organization will improve their communication skills if they follow the communication process and stay away from the different barriers. It has been proven that individuals that understand the communication process will blossom into more effective communicators. And effective communicators have a greater opportunity for becoming a success. And I think that translates very well to scuba divers, meaning that divers who can control a communication loop are going to become better divers. And better divers are going to have all those core skills that are not going to break down. Buoyancy isn't going to break down. Balance isn't going to break down. Your breathing control, your breathing pattern isn't going to break down when there's a difficult issue with that communication process. Because when things get difficult, that's when it's most important hmm. to maintain all those core skills. Right. Right. That's why you, you go through a class and the scenarios are, are given for, for things to happen, things to go wrong that can be expected to go wrong on a dive. And, and uh, that's how you're taught the need for proper balance, buoyancy, trim, etc. How those core skills have to be in place all the time, especially it's under a magnifying glass when shit's hitting the fan. Thanks, Dirty Nick Sanchez. Yeah. And... Uh Old George Bernard Shaw, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. I, I've seen it written that way, too. The fatal flaw in communication, the single biggest problem, is the illusion that it has taken place. You, you can apply that to a lot of things in scuba diving, the illusion uh, because you're kind of being sold an illusion. When you get a card, you know, the basic open water card, you're being sold the illusion. A, you're certified for life. So that means you're, you're good to go for life. You're, you've learned all there is for life there. And then the illusion uh, that you're an advanced diver. 
Okay, that's the single biggest flaw in the advanced diver card is the illusion that you're an advanced diver. Yes. We can get a vast majority of instructors, especially veteran instructors, to agree with us that that whole card is misnamed, missed. I'm not saying do away with the class. There are good parts of that class. I mean, the idea of introducing the diver to how to navigate properly, how to do a deep dive properly, how to do a night dive properly, and a couple other things they get to choose, they get to play. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. I I think there's a huge value to the PADI Advanced Open Water Program, no doubt about it. It's For those very things. Yes. Well, they they need to have guided experience in a night diving environment right. to be able to safely go night diving on their trip down to the Cayman Islands. Right, They need to have some experience with an instructor in a deeper environment to understand some of the changes in buoyancy and some of the uh, other changes with just comfort <laughs> and anxiety that comes in and, and knowing that that safety stop becomes more important before they take that trip and they're diving on a wall in Cozumel. And so there's there's value to that. But there's a big difference, in my opinion, of of getting a little bit more experience in some advanced environments and having the ability to be an advanced level diver to do what we were talking about doing last week. Well, yeah, we're really focusing on communication here in this episode, right? We're really talking about it because it was an integral part of that class and the breakdown of the mission of the team. But when you, when you throw in a night dive or a deep dive, but a night dive in particular, now communication is even hampered more because your vision is limited and that damn light, and we watched it as all night dive classes go, The light discipline is critical, and I've got the videos, and I still crack up at it because there's somebody having trouble trying to undo the the flag, right? And instead of putting that light on the flag where they're doing the work, it's right in their face, and and the person's trying to (laughs) block, you know, with their other hand. One hand's on the flag (laughs) on the line, and the other hand's in the front of their eyeballs, and it's, it's funny in a way, but it's super commonplace, it's everywhere. And one night dive is difficult to teach you everything or even a great part of what you should know to do to accomplish a night dive easily or well or properly. Right, right. That's why going back through that video, is as fun as it is to look back and, and enjoy and laugh about it, the laughing about it is because, wow, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Right, And, and they learned from it and got better afterwards but you but you have to have that yes. learn you have to have that learning place that you can even get to the point of getting to that understanding like i said early on you know we got a lot of feedback about this one um i'm sure we'll get more uh these you know what we're talking about today is specifically based off of some of the feedback we got from last week's show uh we're gonna hit some more of them over the next uh, couple of shows i think so if something comes through that, that that you heard that you want us to explain more or go into deeper or you're not sure you fully understood what we meant, by all means, you know, send me a message. I don't, you know, I'm, I don't take it personally in a way that I, I'm going to say you're an idiot, you're an asshole for not understanding what I said. I, I, I take it to heart in a way that, you know, if, if I come out and say it and you misunderstand it. I know that that's a breakdown in my presentation of my communication loop as the sender. So by all means, 
let's fix this channel to get this through clear. Because, I mean, we're not on the show to, to make fun of every other instructor from every other agency. That's not what we're doing. We're not making fun of every other diver out there who thinks they have an advance but isn't an advanced diver. All we're trying to do is we're trying to answer that question of what makes up the advanced But diver. we are here to make fun of uh, a name like Dirty Nick San- Sanchez. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> he had it coming. He had it Sorry, coming. I think anybody named Sanchez is probably uh, really pissed off about that. You know, how did my, how can yes. they use my name? What the hell? Wait, hang on. We just got an email from Fred Sanchez. <laughs> let, me, let me open this up and see what he it says. He is probably the inventor of the dirty Fred San- Sanchez. Um, but also, James, I, I, I want to throw in there because I think most of the criticism on the class was it seemed as a self-promotion. And I can I can understand how it could be taken that way, but I don't think. I mean, in our defense, we didn't use agencies' names, and we're still, to a great extent, we're not using agencies' names. And I don't think it's an agency per se thing, right? Right, right. I don't think it was anything to do with like us saying that we teach the greatest advanced class of the world, as much as it was saying. Hey, there's another way to present this information in a way that you can actually try to get a diver to fully become advanced, right? Because because they have an ability to think and perform underwater. And if all you're doing is showing them adv- an advanced environment that they're still going to follow the dive master in, that's not making them an advanced diver. So we need to delineate between the two. Right. I think we were m- mostly wanting to point out the components of what we think is a a good advanced course or a a proper advanced course if you can find that from you know anywhere take take it there i don't right yeah that's what that's not what we were trying to do by any means yeah well there you go guys um let us know what you think please you know keep the keep the emails coming in keep the comments coming in and no matter how much you hurt my feelings your 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 hate <laughs> your hate mail your love exactly. mail send them all we well, we, we can take it. We're big boys. Uh, on that, uh, that was a good episode about the communication process. Yeah. Well, give me. Let's, uh, let's sign some logbooks. What books. do you mean? <laughs> log. I'll go out. Log books. <laughs> Let me get my chainsaw. Are you building a book out of logs? Um, nah. That's pretty, pretty bad and corny. Pretty well, bad and no, corny. No, that was well played. That was well. That was well played. I dug it. I was. I thought it was good. All right, everybody. We will see you. We will next week. Talk to you next week, and and hopefully read some comments from you next week. But safe diving, folks.
Bum, 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 bum,